Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel Cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante. And this is our podcast about Whee! women and movies. We talk about specifically how well or poorly women are portrayed and represented in movies. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it, women are usually not portrayed very well. I don't understand. <laughs> how could this be? Thanks. In this economy, in this society. In this amazing society and economy, <laughs> how could this possibly be? So we use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point for our larger conversation, the Bechtel test for oh, yeah. us. The Bechtel test is invented by Alison Bechtel, mm-hmm. a famous cartoonist, interpreted in a lot of different ways. Our interpretation of the Bechtel test currently, as it is always evolving, <laughs> uh, is that there has to be two female identifying characters in a movie that speak to each other about something other than a man. They have to have names and it has to be for exactly two lines of dialogue how hard could it be it couldn't be hard because it's a very low bar and yet it only recently started passing regularly (laughs) and even then usually tenuously between waiters with name tags on (laughs) oh stasia is her name and she asked do you like egg feminine (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then female identifying protagonist says me like egg. <laughs> Over easy, please. Great example of a scene passing the Bechdel test. <laughs> Do you like egg? Me like egg. Mm-hmm. Both have names. Yeah. It passes. Indeed. I'm so thrilled. Okay. We recorded two episodes today. Just a little peek behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And we could not be doing two more different movies today. I am so excited on this movie. This movie is fully activated me on every single <laughs> human level it was possible to it took me two days to watch this movie mm-hmm. i couldn't watch it in one scene because i was just like it's so much it's the cast alone you're just like lillard's here usher is here Lil, Kim? Lil kim's here gabrielle union's here 
the stars are out, but like the <laughs> B stars are out. Uh-huh. No A star is out for this movie, I would argue, at all. <laughs> the biggest star is Paul Walker, rest in power. <laughs> That's literally it. This is like 90s, early 2000s B star to the max. It's so, I, I'm so excited for yeah. today. So to help us discuss this wonderful movie, we have a guest, as we always do. Thank you so much. All right. In <laughs> advance, thank you so much. Thanks for bringing us this movie. She is a producer at How Stuff Works, and she's one half of the podcast Ethnically Ambiguous, Anna Hosnier. Hello. What's thank you for up? having thank me. Thank you for being I just here. want to say, this growing up, this was one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh. I love and it. yes, R.I.P. Paul Walker. Oh my god, <laughs> Paul Walker is such a wild character yeah. in this movie. He takes you think originally like, oh, he's not going to come back, but he keeps coming oh, yeah. back with increasing importance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you brought us, she's all that. Yes. When you were like, granted me my wish of being on this show, I was like, we will talk about she's all that. <laughs> it's the perfect Bechtel cast movie, I would argue. It yes. delivers on every problematic level. It's a a masterpiece of crap. Like yeah. it's like somehow a Marvel in the worst possible. It's like it's part of the Marvel extended. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the best thing. It's it's so fast moving. Like it just goes, goes, goes. Every scene, you're like, what? Why? And then they also, I learned a lot of lingo from this movie. Yeah. Oh, like what? Growing up, like Wigan. Like why are you Wigan? Oh. And like Hoover it. Hoover right. it. Hoover it. <laughs> there are a few references that I was like, is this too smart for this movie, or am I stupid? Like there. Are, <laughs> There are some high level, and when when Caitlin and I watched this within twenty four hours of each other, I watched it a little bit after her, like, like yeah. literally like twelve hours after she did. It took us forever to watch it because we had to keep pausing to yeah. be like, "Wow, there was a weird <laughs> amount to unpack in that single yeah. scene with Freddie Prince Jr." Yeah, it took me like three hours to watch or more, and it's only an hour and a half movie. Like I, yeah. I had to keep. It's an hour thirty five. It's a tight. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. perfect length. Couldn't I mean this movie is weirdly perfect for everything that's wrong with it? Well, yeah, I almost wasn't gonna watch it again because I was like, you know, every goddamn scene in this movie, <laughs> and then I was like, nope, gotta watch it again. I need my like ten pages of notes, and then so every scene I was like, oh, so good, just so nostalgic of it. And like I watched it at, like two in the morning last night because I just had to. Like I was just yeah. like, you know what, it's time. So wait, when did you first see it? Because it came out in '99. I saw it when I was in junior high for the first time. And I think yeah. I was like really discovering Paul Walker at that time. Sure. Fast and the Furious had come out. And I was like, well, who oh, okay. is this? Going back, yeah. And then I discovered She's All That. And then I think I watched it maybe a thousand times. Like I've seen this movie so many times. I own it on DVD. I just mm-hmm. just kept rewatching it. I thought it was genius. I was like, Freddie Vince Jr. I mean, it you, is. You got to make that girl beautiful. Art is weird. You know, <laughs> that's the big thing in this movie. It's like, if you're an artist, you're a fucking weirdo. You're a weird. <laughs> I just love that also the art is also very dark. Like it's like either right. like clown based. Like it's like a lot it of weird very... clowns. <laughs> Which... I was personally triggered. Yeah. <laughs> this was like, oh yeah. Also like the mean girl artist, like Clea Duvall. Oh. That character. Oh my God. She is everything to me. Like I, when I, I was scared to go to high school thinking I would meet a Clea Duvall. Oh no. Who would like tell me to kill myself oh, so cool. I could become a famous artist. Which is one of my, I was texting, I was telling Kaylin, I was like, this is one of my new favorite. Cause some will occasionally propose an asterisk to yeah. the Bechdel test of like, 
I feel, <laughs> even though it technically does pass the Bechdel test, yeah. that if two named female characters have a conversation about why one female character yeah. should kill herself, yeah. it shouldn't pass the yeah. Bechdel test. That seems too violent. But that's like, the first scene that yeah. technically passes the Bechdel test for I me so, in yeah. this movie, where it's Clea Duvall tells Rachel Lee Cook that she should kill herself. Which is just like, who does that? Right. I was just like, whoa, a new conundrum. No, you just, yeah. the onion continues to reveal. Yeah, and that's just the beginning. It fucking crazy. Oh. It was so, that's so early in the movie. And then it's, and then the movie. Yeah, the whole rest of the there's movie. No char- there's no character actor in this movie that you're just not like, whoa, okay, wait, hold on a second. Where in the middle, I was like, oh, Kieran Culkin is yes. the child. Yeah. Yes. Kieran Culkin. My favorite Culkin. Mm, Kieran's my, pretty good. Also, not, the, the, yeah. the dad character, Kevin Pollack. Kevin yeah. Pollack. Yeah. Probably he, the best character in the whole movie. He has multiple podcasts on How Stuff Works. Mm-hmm. I see him almost like three days a week. And I saw him and it just occurred to me. I was like, holy shit, that's Kevin. That's Kevin now Pollack. I can't wait to go this next week and be like, dude, you're the dad and she's all that. I, I can't like wait he's to gonna be fan so out so upset. hard. <laughs> well, last time I saw him, I was like, oh, you're the brother in Better Things that the mom doesn't like. And he was like, yeah. So now I get to be like, dude, you're the checked out pool cleaning <laughs> oh, father. And she's all that. And I never Mr. made that pool. connection. Literally Mr. Pool. <laughs> Kevin Pollack has one especially really good scene in this movie. And then there's one scene where he's like, yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. coming to my yeah. house. I'm wearing a baseball cap. Also, I'm getting ready for bed, but I'm not going to take my hat off. Also, I'm still wearing my name tag that says Mr. Pool on my bathrobe. Anyways, I'm going to let Freddie Prince Jr. into my house and wait to French my daughter. Yeah. Kieran Culkin's also here if you're interested. Yeah, like, and it's also just like so many she people. may have also almost gotten raped. Right. Yeah. Oh, my right. God. But the narrative at the end where it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Paul Walker almost raped me, but thank God I had a foghorn with me. And you're just like, we'll get there, but I have so much to say about (laughs) the whole third act of the movie. It's bananas. Things come together. I mean, it comes together. Like, the the movie, like, my top note for this movie, I scrolled back up to my very long Evernote for this movie. And I was like, okay, this is the movie where in the next to last scene, ironically, the protagonist says... You know, sexual harassment is still a big issue these days. I took a screen grab of that. And literally says it as a joke. (laughs) Like, it is wild. It's wild. So wait, Anna, you've seen this movie many, many, many times. Yes. Jamie, you had never seen it. I saw it last night. Slash the night before. It took me two days. It came out in 99. I was like 13, so like peak age to be watching this. I don't think I saw it right away. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I probably saw it maybe, probably within the year of it Mm -hmm. coming out. But I think that was the only time. Mm -hmm. I had two very specific memories from the movie. One was the kid who eats the pizza with pubes on it. I remember that being a thing. That's like a reference to like a legal case that happened in the early 90s. But I'll get to that. Oh, whoa. I didn't realize that. I Listen, I have an encyclopedia. Heated knowledge of pube-related crimes, <laughs> so I did recognize that right away. Good, good to know. Let me just really quickly Google 1991 pube crimes, and I will find out what I'm talking about. Please. Continue. Okay. And then the other memory I had from it was Rachel Lee Cook's line toward the end where she's like, am I a bet? Am I a bet? Am I a fucking bet? 
Yeah. I just, for some reason, that seared into my memory. Thank you so much. That's a tearjerker moment. (laughs) Anita Hill versus Clarence Thomas. That's what I'm thinking about when I think about how in the 90s, pube-related crimes do show up in movies again and again and again because Anita Hill uh, rightfully did sue Clarence Thomas because of pubes on a Coke can. Oh. But there you we see It's a monument the, case. It's a huge case. And it's something that I learned about for some reason I learned about it at a very young age on that VH1 show I love the 90s. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Whoa, isn't that hilarious?" The 91 episode. They're like, "Anita Helen the pubes." And it's very pube shamey. Yeah. But as a lifelong pubes advocate, I was like, "Oh, interesting." And I was like, "That my antenna was up." So, throughout the 90s, especially in a shamey way, pubes are brought up again and again and again as a form of punishment. Yeah. And I had never seen this movie and I was like, oh, weird. So in 99, we're still punishing people via pubes. And it does, <laughs> from what I can tell, like the Anita Hill versus Clarence Thomas case was so big because it is from what I can tell, at least on a large scale, the first time pubes are discussed in a court of law, mm. like acknowledged as a thing that every human being has <laughs> in a serious way. And the way that it was covered in the press at the time is very like, oh, God, this woman's losing her mind about this dude putting his pube <laughs> because it was like he was putting pubes on her stuff as punishment and like coercion and shit like that. And so anyways, we see in 90s culture, anytime you see pubes show up in popular media post 91 as a way to punish someone, it is indirectly a reference to this specific legal case wow just a fun the more you know yeah (laughs) thank you jamie now you know now anytime you get a pubes question (laughs) oh boy well anyways that's your (laughs) new back new back talk has jamie's pube corner (laughs) uh should i do the recap Mm -hmm. okay please do So She's All That is about Rachel Lee Cook's character's name is Lainey Boggs. They're all in high school. She's an art kid. She's a dork, and she's not popular. But Rachel Lee Cook, who we should say, recent episode, the lead of Josie and the Pussycats. Josie. Oh, yes. A much better movie than this. Meanwhile, there's a character named Zach Seiler, played by Freddie Prince Jr., and he is the class president. He's one of the smartest kids in the class. He's a star athlete. He's super handsome and super popular, and he's dating the, like, hottest girl in school until she breaks up with him. His poor, fragile male ego (laughs) is very hurt. So he's like, oh, what do I do? He is coerced by Paul Walker. <laughs> Let's be straight. Right. So Paul, but he agrees to it, which is He's coerced by Paul Walker. Mm, but he agrees and to societal. it. He's not. Okay. And I'm going to stand out for Freddie Prince Jr. throughout. Because, okay, I know that Zach and Freddie Prince Jr. are not the same person. I understand how movies <laughs> But every time I see Freddie Prince Jr. on screen, I just am so proud. (laughs) Because Freddie Prince Jr. had to overcome so much adversity. He's the son of (laughs) Freddie Prince. Okay. Never met his father, who is like a comedian, who like killed himself. Never met him. He died before? Either right before or right after Mm. Freddie Prince Jr. is born. Freddie Prince, who is like this prodigal. Pro- prodigal? <laughs> Prod- mm. Prodigal? Pro- very good. <laughs> very good stand-up comedian who's very involved in the comedy store scene in the 70s, 70s and 80s, killed himself when Freddie Prince Jr. was very young. By all standards, 
Freddie Prince Jr. should never have escalated, you know, because yeah. he came from tragedy, had this very like difficult upbringing. Freddie Prince Jr. I think overcame so much. Freddie Prince Jr. has been in a thriving marriage with Sarah Michelle Gellar, who has a great cameo yes. in this movie for seventeen years. He has three children. I was reading about him last night, and I was just like, oh, I like had a feeling in my stomach of just like, I'm just so thrilled for Freddie Prince Jr. that he has a stable life. He really owned the 90s. He really yeah. did. And he, and, and I would say he's a charismatic guy. Yeah. He, I mean, for <laughs> no, this, no. for this terrible character he's playing, I would mm-hmm. say Freddie Prince Jr., he knew how to be the exact person he was in a few movies. And then he married Sarah Michelle Geller after Scooby-Doo. And also, this establishes a clear... Li- I, I don't know why I'm being... Okay. <laughs> this also establishes a connection between Freddie Prince Jr. and Lillard. And mm. we see them later in the Scooby-Doo yes. franchise uh-huh. as Fred and Shaggy, another critical... So anyways, we establish the Prince Lillard aesthetic here. And I just think, anyways, I'm very proud of Freddie okay, Prince Jr. Okay. and everything he's You can't help but root for him in the film. Like, you know he's doing a bad thing, but you're like, yeah, you know what? Get her to fall for you, man. And then you learn about his well, life story. And you're just like, he's just... Oh, his, whole, his whole, like, real, like pivileged issues of like oh Dartmouth which or college do I go to yeah, which Ivy League school his dad's just like and then his dad's actually like quite understanding his, his, yeah. <laughs> just like well if it's really this stressful his, <laughs> his very hot understanding dad yeah. oh my god the end the way that that like side plot ends where it's like Freddie Prince Jr. we find out very early in the movie has been accepted to every <laughs> yeah. college in a very manic acceptance style where when he's All looking through it welcome to <laughs> like there's no way that that's on that like happens. very cheap paper. They didn't even like bother to like print it out they on like laser nice. jet it. There, it was horrible, and it was just like, oh, you know, Harvard Freddy. Yeah, they were all like all caps. Congratulations! <laughs> like what? And then at the end, Freddie says something like. It's not that easy. You can't just sift through a pile of papers and choose one. And then his dad goes like, that's what being an adult is. You sift through a pile of papers and you choose one. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what you do. And at the end, I was just like, oh, his dad, you know, the, the whole time it's like, we're really, the plot is really trying to justify why Zach is such an asshole. And at the end, it is not successful. I'm being like, well, and at the end, he really was just being kind of avoidant and his dad was pretty understanding about his choice. Yeah, all he had to do was be like, dad, I'm stressed. And his dad was like, oh, well, why didn't you say so? Right. Like, that was like all the entire like Literally conflict it. was. It's, it's almost like- as if men have problem expressing their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, the rest of the story slash the whole story Sorry. is that Zach Siler, uh, <laughs> you know, class president, star of the school, gets broken up with. So he is coerced, but he also agrees to it, like a bet, basically, by his friend Dean, played by Paul Walker. Paul Walker rest in power, is, as I like to call him. <laughs> and Dean says, oh, well, is it Zach that suggests this where he's like, I could make any yeah. girl here prom queen. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you and know, I don't need like, that much time to do it. And he's like, OK, it. I'll, yeah, prove it. I'll, t- I'll bet you. So it's Freddie Prince Jr.'s character who suggests the whole thing. So he's not that much of a feminist icon as, as Jamie, you would lead us to believe. <laughs> I so. am proud of him. <laughs> okay. I'm not proud so, of his character. I'm okay. proud of Freddie Prince Jr. Got it. Okay. 
So Dean's like, okay, Dean and their friend Preston, played by Julie Hill, who is my favorite. He plays Hot. Sam in Holes, and he's the the cutest. I can't wait till we do Holes. And then I don't know who plays Kissing Kate Barlow in that movie, who plays his love interest. I forget what her name Oh, is. that's a um, Patricia Arquette. God, what a fuck. I'm like, I would pay for that sex tape. <laughs> would pay. Anyways. Oh, okay, sorry. so back on track. Hot match. So um, <laughs> Dean and Preston, to a lesser extent, are like, okay, we'll bet you. We, you know, we'll pick out a girl for you, and you have to turn her into prom queen within the next eight weeks just to see if you're <laughs> as big of a big man on campus as you say you are. So they pick Lainey Boggs, the weird art girl who... Great art girl name, I will say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Zach starts to pursue her in an attempt to, like, befriend her and maybe think that he's romantically interested in her so that he can take her to prom and make her prom queen. She's resistant at first, but for reasons we don't necessarily entirely understand, she starts to be receptive to his basically stalking her. And then they hang out more and more. He takes her to a party. It doesn't go well. She gets a makeover to fix her, quote unquote. We'll talk about that. Um I'm sorry, are you <laughs> suggesting that being in a relationship cannot fix someone? Because if not, I have to be. <laughs> No, I'm suggesting that all women need to be made over to feel more confident yeah, about just themselves. Wait till I take my glasses so off and you guys all right. lose your minds. <laughs> just How beautiful I am. <laughs> Take well, you let your hair down yeah. and you took your glasses off. quite beautiful Suddenly, behind you're these beautiful. Oh, my God. Wait, did Anna Paquin <laughs> body shame you too. into characterization? Yeah. <laughs> like As someone who regularly wears glasses, I find this movie very offensive, <laughs> suggesting that women who wear glasses can't be hot. Agree. I don't care for it. Hard to agree. <laughs> what if I told you I had a moment in the mirror this morning where I took my glasses off and I was like, Oh my god! Who is that? I'm like so like gaslighted. She's beautiful. Yeah, just talking to myself. But then you did a little prat fall, and you're like, I'm so awkward. Speaking of, uh, Lainey Boggs falls no less than three times in this movie. Oh god, such a weird, stupid thing that happens in all of these movies is like just to remind you, even though she's hot now, she's still. Awkward. But most right. of those the whole trips, Bella Swan thing. Most of those Bella falls, Swan, she's, Lizzie McGuire, etc. She's always wearing like ankle length aprons. It's like if you took <laughs> that apron off, you wouldn't be as clumsy. <laughs> like, you would not be tripping on this floor length garment <laughs> yeah. you're constantly wearing. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the rest of the story is that so she's hanging out more and more with Zach Seiler. He starts to realize maybe he's actually into her because she's beautiful all of a sudden. And maybe she's also into him. And also for reasons we don't necessarily understand because as far as we know, they're not compatible in any way. But they like each other because they're both hot. So uh, he asks her to or he doesn't get to ask her to prom. She finds out about the bet then she agrees, again, for reasons we don't understand, agrees to go to prom with Paul Walker. Everyone gets wind of the fact that he's only taking her out to prom so that he can try to score with her. Zach finds out about this because Lainey's friend, Jesse, is like, hey, go save woman. <clears throat> and, hey, why didn't you go save the woman? And he's like, okay, I'll go save woman. And then, um, <laughs> and then a bunch of scenes that should play out on screen are just skipped over. Mm-hmm. And then we see the scene at the end where Zach is like, oh, I didn't. So, he doesn't even really apologize. He's just like, you know, I made that. Bed he does before. not apologize. He does not. I went back to be like, wait a 
fucking second does he at any point even remotely apologize. No. He, he explains says, yeah. why he did the bad things he did, but never apologized. He says, I made it. the bet before I got to know you, and what I lost in the bet was my best friend, she being his new best friend. But never does he say, I'm never sorry apologize. for manipulating you, anything like that. No, I made triple sure that mm-hmm. he didn't. Mm-hmm. He does not. Right. So then they kiss and they're fine and they're mm-hmm. in love and the movie's over. We don't mention the thick male icon from the Mighty Ducks who does appear throughout this movie who I really love who appears as character Jesse James who ends up <laughs> with Anna Paquin who dresses like a bride to the prom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do end up together. That is the couple I personally am rooting for by the end of the movie is thick kid from the Mighty Ducks <laughs> and, and Anna Paquin. We know that because she fat shames him throughout the film. Yeah, everyone like, Stop eating sh- that you fucking fat <laughs> like it's just like what a why their first scene on screen together she's like are you really eating before 10 a.m <laughs> yeah. and and the thick kid from mighty ducks is like um i and then he immediately starts to apologize i'm like i'm on his side he's like he's like i'm sorry i didn't mean to eat before like, m- lunch <laughs> he has some like weird tweaking he's like they're delicious and she's right. like you said you would lose weight it's like back off <laughs> yeah it's not a great precedent to set it's one of the first good. things she says the entire movie is like what about losing 10 pounds right like she immediately fat shames her best friend her yeah. best friend who's only a friend yeah. her only friend who's a thick icon and i really i really was like oh my god it's the guy from the mighty dogs and i just like i have an attachment to him i i okay I would argue there's a lot of shades of gray in this film, and I don't... Sorry for calling it a film. <laughs> it's a movie. It's a movie. It's but barely a movie. Produced by Miramax, by the way. Oh, Miramax! Yeah. <laughs> Opening right away. scene, you're like, Ooh, Produced yeah. by <laughs> the Harvey and Bob Weinstein, <laughs> and you're just like, oh Harvey no! And, yeah. Harvey and Bob on the scene for this one. They're the ones signing off on this. But I, I, I feel like... And again, there's so much wrong with this movie. The few things it does right. She does fat shame her only friend, scene one. After class shaming her brother for being like, there are kids in, I forget what country, who have been working in factories for three hours already. I'm going to spit in Kieran Culkin's juice. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, she's a little uptight you know like that's how it's gonna that's be her whole thing socially when conscious, he's like they're at the but... beach he's like check out that water that's literally what he says check out that water which is like great pickup cool, line works on me every like, time do you know how much like like gallons of waste is dumped into the ocean and he's just like uh why can't you just be chill she's like sorry <laughs> quit wigging out <laughs> yeah well, okay i'll get to that in a second remind me about intelligent shaming okay <laughs> But first, I do think it is slightly positive, even though she is body shaming him the entirety of their friendship. It is slightly positive to see a female, male, both straight friendship in a high school movie that is non-sexual and involves no pining on either party. Mm -hmm. Because that is something that I feel like is very rare to see where originally when you see this Jesse character, it's like, oh, he's probably secretly in love with her. And Mm -hmm. you fall into this kind of John Hughes, like, oh, he probably loves her and she's unattainable and all this stuff. But throughout the movie, they do remain firmly friends. And at one point, it's like, well, I've known you for so long. I don't know how to view you that way. As like a sexual being. yeah. And he's mostly pushing her to Freddie Prince Jr., Zack Styler. Which Which is is problematic. But ultimately, I feel like 
for a high school friendship that sort of like, oh, date the popular guy. Sure, yeah. why not? Right. There's no sense of that. like, oh, she friend zoned me, which is mm-hmm. a, exactly. like, which I think is a very common trope. And yeah. I had so many friendships like that in high school with like two people who, in theory, could be attracted to each other, but just aren't. And and that being okay, I yeah. feel like that does not happen in movies almost ever. And I thought that was like, oh, that kind of reminds me of me and my best friend in high school who just never had the desire to French each other and <laughs> felt weird about it because all media said that we should want to French each other, you right. know. So that I thought was good. Intelligence shaming. Next point. Uh-huh. In these teen movies, every time a woman is smart and has very specific knowledge, like Rachel Lee, One Piece cook, <laughs> does, it's made to make her look uptight. Whereas every time in a rom com where a male character is very smart, he is made to look sensitive. Mm-hmm. So intelligence use, is used to like demonize female characters very often, where it's used to like give depth to male characters. Yeah, so. that's very true. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so you're saying that does not happen in this movie? No, that like, absolutely does happen. Almost exclusively. He's with so Rachel smart. Do you see how quickly he improvised at this performance art thingy? Right, right, right. Like, Whoa, he is deep. Which is like, it's just a happy But then there's sack, also people. that scene where <laughs> Rachel so Lee Cook's character is like, I'm not smart. If you're coming to me because you think I can tutor you, I can't because I'm not yeah. smart. I'm, I'm a, just a dork, but I'm not smart. And it's She's like, 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 just like dark she, artist. <laughs> But she, she is. is smart. She is. But she's constantly playing it off. And then every time she displays it with those specific facts of like, check out that water. And then she knows a specific fact about that water. It's like, oh, you're such a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As opposed to like, oh, she just knows something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She's a bit of a buzzkill, though. <laughs> she knows exactly what to say to bring the moment down. And you're like, oh, Lainey. She is a buzzkill. <laughs> I feel like I identify with her. And also her, her last name way. is Boggs. Fully Boggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that the dad, like the Kevin Pollock character. Yeah, I think the, the his best scene is when he like is doing the Jeopardy, just gets yes, every yes. answer on, and then looks up to like random JV soccer players, and it's just like, who, who are, are you people? people? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't that do anything else. Is I don't think there's That's that much comedy really in this movie. Scene. Like I don't think this movie is that funny, but that scene is very funny to me because yeah. he's saying like what are probably like deliberately wrong <laughs> funny joke answers to all the Jeopardy questions but he's like so deadpan improv, about right? it yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna ask him this week I'm like tell me, <laughs> tell me about the insides and she's all that oh my God, please report back yeah. <laughs> please report back so the movie yeah it does like maybe a small fraction of a good thing but for the most part it's just like ripe with like very problematic stuff blanket at, bad at, yeah. its, at its core this movie is about a boy tricking a girl into mm-hmm. dating him so that he can quote unquote fix her to turn her into the prom queen so that he can win a bet which is miraculously in spite of the specificity you just gave something that happens in multiple movies yes yeah. it's a yes. common pre- yeah. premise especially for like variation romance kind of things like that and i understand it makes for a good story that has a lot of conflict and there's a lot of secrecy and all that but it's not good storytelling and then it means that a female character usually is being manipulated by a man who will later end up being her love interest yeah. who she ends up with just a relationship that, built on lies. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I think that this, in some ways, and there's so many variations on this exact theme of, like, altering a woman to your specifications and then accepting her yeah. and apologizing in retrospect. Yeah. Or, in the case of this movie, 
not apologizing. Not apologizing. Well, I made a um, list of all like of many many movies where this happens, where a woman gets a makeover oh, to do. quote unquote fix her. We go back to Cinderella with this one. Mm-hmm. Cinderella is at the top mm-hmm. of my list. She's all that. Clueless, Miss Congeniality, mm-hmm. Princess Diaries, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Grease, Never Been Kissed, Devil Wears Prada, Pretty <sighs> Woman, My Fair Lady, Jesus. What a Girl Wants, Josie and the Pussycats. There is a makeover scene. It's not yes. as egregious as it normally is. <laughs> but Rachel um, Lee Cook is relevant. <laughs> Working Girl, Sabrina, Breakfast Club, Jawbreaker. My Fair the Lady. The list goes on. I said that one. Oh, sorry. How dare There's you? also like aggressive. <laughs> well, this well because this movie is supposed is intended to be an adaptation of, of Pygmalion, right. which My Fair Lady is. So yeah, sorry. there's yeah. there's also this aggressive amount of like girl on girl shaming. Like oh, the women so are much. so mean to each other. Like the cattiness Exclusively. level. Yeah, there's a female friendship that barely gets explored, and in which it was explored much more. But between Gabriella Union's character. And Josie, not Josie. Lainey. 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 Josie. Yes. Josie, the Josie, the Josie and also her. Who could forget? Where, like, basically, we don't ever find out what Gabrielle Union's character's name is also, in the Also, Gabrielle movie. Union is fully 26 years old in this movie. But, her character's okay. name that we know via looking at IMDb is Katie, but I don't think no, we find it out it. in the they movie. They never say it. Same with Lil' Kim's character. You do hear her name at the very, very end in the graduation ceremony oh, yeah. whenever... Her name gets called like Sebastian Seawater. They call call a number of wild names that I wrote down for Mm -hmm. the. Her name, so Lil Kim's character's name is Alex, and then Gabrielle Union is Katie. So Katie and Lainey. Katie basically decides that Taylor, the popular girl who breaks up with Zach Seiler, Katie's like. I would argue is to an extent an inadvertent feminist icon. We'll get there. (laughs) I'm going to probably disagree, but I'm willing to hear your arguments. Wait, Taylor is? Taylor, yes. (laughs) She's rough. We'll get there. But Katie's like. I have an argument for (laughs) Taylor. Okay. But Katie's like, I don't want to be friends with Taylor anymore. She's a bully and I don't really like her. I'm going to befriend Lainey. And it seems like she's generally pretty nice to her. And I wish that was explored more or at all, really. But it, it hardly is. No. (sighs) It's <sighs> not a lot of development within the characters other than that's no. a bitch. He's mean. <laughs> she's weird. He's hot and popular and has a parking spot. Right. Whereas like the plot doubles down on Lainey in a way that it sometimes to me is confusing to the point where like even the art girls are very aggressive yeah. and mean towards her in a way that I don't think is fully explained. No, mm-hmm. that's what I understand is what is Clea Duval's character's problem? What is Who she... are her parents? Right. Why is she so fucked up everywhere? <laughs> like, and why does what? she why does she appear so many times in the movie yeah. to shame Lainey when it's like in theory this is Lainey's circle. So yeah. why does everyone hate her so much? It's just it's like just her. Like she's just a weirdo and that's that like when taylor sees her at the party she like walks over like i don't think i've ever seen a mean girl care that much about another person being at a huge party it's like very cartoonish the way without like a very specific because i feel like the only time we see mean girls and weird girls in conflict in movies is when it's like established like they used to be best friends or there was some sort of context but there's nothing there's no connection between them just sheerly antagonistic at that point it doesn't even seem like she knows that laney's there with zach Right. Because she's like, it appeared her and Matthew Lillard right. showed up wasted. So let's talk about Ugh. the scene where they, okay, so the bed is made between Freddie Prince Jr., who I love, <laughs> and Paul Walker, rest in power. Right. 
Delay is also there, but he is, of course, sidelined the entire movie, even though he is the voice of reason in that friend group and is repeatedly the one that's like, hey, this might be fucked up. And everyone's like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but there is like there is a scene where Paul Walker presents Freddie Prince Jr. with the central challenge of the movie, which is like, oh, well, you know, Taylor broke up with you. And first, the central plot of this movie is based on the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. finds heartbreak emasculating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he is when Taylor breaks his heart, which I will later argue is like <laughs> not the worst thing she could do in the whole world. And she's kind of ashamed for it. But like, uh, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. is hurt and emasculated and feels bad about being broken up with this girl who he dated, who he cares about. But he has to prove that that is not the case. When Paul Walker says, well, the only way you can show me that you're not a fucking pussy (laughs) is by choosing a random girl and exploiting and gaslighting her into being hot to your standards and going to prom with her, which is, you know, a very specific ask Mm -hmm. from Paul Walker, (laughs) which I think reveals that Paul Walker's character is a full on sociopath because he he comes off with his top of the dome. He's like, you know what you should do. I wrote that in my notes as Paul Walker's a sociopath. Really? Because even at the end, he was just like, guys, <laughs> got this hotel room 409 or like whatever. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to fuck her. And you're just like, what? It all seems very planned. <laughs> yeah. He's a and sex very, criminal. Yeah. <laughs> He's a full on sex. Like, I just, Paul Walker's character is fascinating. But but basically, he like challenges his friend, like, if you're heartbroken and if you show emotion, you're a pussy. Mm-hmm. So do this instead. And Freddie Prince Jr. takes the bait, says, okay, I'll do mm-hmm. it. And then there's this scene where it is literally the male gaze for like two minutes where they're just looking at various high school female characters and criticizing they're them. They're speaking about them so actively as they like, I'm talking about you and you're walking by me. And I'd be like, well, she's interesting. She's got a nice rack. Kind of short. Yeah, uh, Chelsea here. Clinton vibe going. Yeah, it's like Chelsea she's Clinton vibe. Right there. Yeah, like, and she's it's like, whatever. I'm just like, minding my own business. And like their objective, they state explicitly, is to make her a prom queen. Mm-hmm. Right? And so. Because that's what all women strive to be. Mm-hmm. And when they land on Lainey Boggs, who I'd be remiss not to notice, is hot but wearing glasses and an apron and has extensions in <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> right. the worst extensions like okay, yes, so really she's definitely getting bad. a haircut at some point <laughs> it's a hair it's a horse's mane yeah. that she has scotch taped to what? her head anna pickwin even calls her like it's a horse's mane or something yeah and she's like this mane has to go and <laughs> it's like we all agree it's not hers <laughs> But yeah. there's there's a, a line where Freddie Prince Jr. he has already criticized five or six women, and he says, "Fat I can handle, weird boobs, bad personality, <sighs> maybe some sort of fungus. I mean, scary and inaccessible is another story." Jesus. Which explicitly states the state of women at the time yeah. of this movie in a very and just like there it is. They really go out of their way to be like, these women are so thirsty for Freddie Prince Jr. Because he, remember, he like walks in, looks at a photo of himself, yes. just like, oh, looking good, me. And then says, hey, Connie. And some girl's like, oh my God, oh my God you talked to me. And the girl's That's like, your name is your name. Yeah. And she's your like, name so? like she, And she's already turned on her friend to be like, you bitch, how dare you point that out? I've seen it almost like, passes the Bechdel test, except we don't learn the other girl's name. Yeah, I so. know. <laughs> so it's like, but it's, they're all, no, they're talking about a man, so never mind. It creates 
it's this vibe that all the women are like for themselves and they're out to get each other over dudes and it's just such that whole high school is a bad vibe and you got just usher talking shit over all of it which is just like what school would let this dj continue in defense of the casting director of this movie can you find in 1999 a better cameo adjacent role <laughs> for someone giving the school announcements yeah. at a high school than Usher in the same year that You Got It Bad comes out. Yeah. And then he comes back in a fedora to DJ the prom Always. for one of the, like, I freaked out during the scene. I was, like, in my kitchen last night watching this scene <laughs> and had to, like, ran out of breath had to like you know what the dance sequence the rockefeller skank sequence yes of course i had to like, take there, a walk why is there a five minute dance scene in the right movie about, and there's uh, not enough time yeah, to develop so, a friendship right. between gabrielle union's character and laney boggs scrap like, it why <laughs> scrap it they were like <laughs> cut those scenes make the dance we need sequence a dance longer <laughs> as a feminist Give me more Rockefeller skank <laughs> but dance also, sequences. That's the second dance sequence in the film. Yeah. Not I mean, I honestly think Matthew Lillard is so funny in this movie. He's like his really whole good. like Perfect. character is the absolute worst human being. He's a tattoo of himself on his arm. <laughs> like and then he just continues to have no sense of reality. Like every line about him, like he, he got paid to eat his own toenail clippings. Like there's no reality <laughs> yeah. to him. And he's an adult man dating a high schooler, which yeah. that, that no Which one seems he to care. Has no, yeah, no one has any. Like none of these like with. rich kids' parents care. And there's also only one teacher in the entire film, which is the art teacher who just mm. like shames Laney's like aggressively dark art. And she that's it. shows up every. She shows up, I think, three times yeah. and provides exposition. There's a scene <laughs> with her at the end that I really want to talk about because it is wild. But yeah. yeah, like she shows up, one of the few women of color in the movie. <laughs> Who shows up and is like, here's what's happening in the movie. Anyways, gotta go. Bye. And just disappears. <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> that she appears in this scene right before Rachel Lee Cook is told to kill herself. Yeah. Right. She's like, hey, anyways, we're in art class. Gotta go. Yeah, she's and like, then... why don't you open up to other people and express art about yourself? You like, bitch. Try harder. And then some other girl is like, kill, kill yourself. It's just like, what? Oh God! Why would you keep going to this class? <laughs> and then this movie, this movie does like Disney princess Rachel Lee Cook's character mm-hmm. by saying like, also her mom died, and mm-hmm. Kevin Pollock doesn't know what to do because he has a hat and yeah. he's Mister Pool. But he is the most checked out father. He does he have any is. sense of anything? But he calls going her on? pumpkin nose. But That's even when he comes down to talk to her, he's kind of like, hey, you know, like kids go to the the prom, right? And you're like, thanks, dad. <laughs> that did remind me of I. I got emotional during that scene because I was just like, my dad would also know, know how to talk to me. <laughs> well, Lainey's character, there's, okay, so there's not a, there's a problem with Lainey's character being written in a way that she's an empathetic character that we want to care about in that she does a bunch of things where she's either fat shaming her friend or making decisions that make no fucking sense. Like the fact that she keeps agreeing to go out with guys who seem See, terrible. I disagree. And, I disagree. Okay. Well, well, no, keep going, but I do disagree with you. Okay. 
<laughs> but then there's also a problem with the way that uh, everyone else is treating her or just the way the movie presents her where like the first thing you basically see her doing after the opening credits when she's like painting and stuff is like bringing food to her brother so it's like here girl have domestic chore bring boy food and I then think it's that like that's another way that they Disney princess her though it's mm-hmm. like now she has to be the smartest mm-hmm. person in, in the room and mommy because dad is Mr. Poole and him don't know how to cook eggs. <laughs> yeah. You know. But it's like he's a business owner and we're so hard on him. Like, what a loser. He's a pool guy. But he also seems to own his own business. But and fuck that. Yeah. And also he knows all the answers to Jeopardy. So he's <laughs> clearly educated. Also, he lets his children just use any booze in the house to make, like, crappy oh, margaritas. Like, oh, yeah. He is well, no That sense. is never challenged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when Kieran Culkin tries to serve Freddie Prince Jr. alcoholic beverages, never questioned. Yeah, a 12-year-old is making an 18-year-old uh, yeah. boozy drink. And does everyone's like, up. fine. And he's just looking at his crossword, up. does not look up once to know what's even going on inside his home. He's like, I'm wearing a hat. (laughs) I'm busy. I'm wearing a hat. But, I mean, with Lainey, like, we hardly see her on screen for the first, like, 18 minutes of the movie. She's barely there because... The protagonist of the story is not her. Zach Siler, Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, is the protagonist and that he has the strongest desire because Lainey has no like central goal. The story is happening to her, so she has no agency. Things are just sort of happening at her and she's going along with whatever, but she's not doing anything really to drive the narrative. It's all Zach and his story. So she's stripped of all this agency. So that means then that the sympathetic character that we're rooting for, the protagonist of the story, is someone someone who's actively manipulating a woman. So it's just like really hard to get behind. But for some reason, like everyone who watched this movie in 1999, were like, yes, this is great. I love this movie. Because they're like, love, love exists. But you never, it's all about him going to school. Like, is she planning on going to college? We don't know. We don't know. We We found out at the end that that she she has applied to a number of art schools and has been recommended. Yeah. And it's scene that I find very interesting. See, this is where I disagree a little bit. And again, I did not see this movie at the correct time for me to see it. Mm-hmm. But Lainey Boggs, to me, strikes me as, and at any point, if anyone feels differently, let me know. But as like kind of an avatar kind of character where this movie in 1999 is not meant with the intention of, oh, a ton of boys are going to see this movie. Like This is a girl's movie, right. and it's a young girl's movie. And girls are meant to plug themselves into Lainey Boggs, who feels weird, who feels out of place, who is not fully characterized, I think very intentionally. And then we learn more about this popular male guy who, like, basically, it's just like the oppressor coming down to the weird girl's level and changing her so that they meet in the middle. But I I do feel like this movie is made with the intention of young girls plugging themselves into Lainey Box. It's like, oh, this is me. And I feel like like the cool boys in school don't like me. And why is that? And maybe that was me. I don't know. I was really into performance art when I was young. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Well, yeah. So I I was like, I mean, not her kind of performance art. I don't think I necessarily understood that one. But (laughs) But it's something adjacent where it's like, when I was in like middle school and high school and like formative years, like wearing a fucking back brace and being like a weird, <laughs> like a weird girl who genuinely like popular boys would never have 
just because of how high school works. You don't know. Like you could have been someone that they're like, should we do the bet on her? Nah, sh- that back brace. You seem like that girl. <laughs> yeah. Like you seem you like the girl. You could have been a potential bet reject. You don't know. Exactly. <laughs> like you seem like the girl that someone could pick out of a crowd of like, oh, this would be a very hard person <laughs> to want to fuck. Yeah. Like literally. And that's how Lainey is presented to the audience. And I feel like that in because young girls are brought up to feel so insecure about themselves as people and to view themselves strictly based on their bodies, which this movie does endorse by changing her body and her appearance. I think that we're meant to go into this movie thinking like, oh, I'm Lainey Boggs and maybe if I'm lucky, Paul Walker will rest in power. <laughs> Pick me out of a crowd. It's like, here's the most unfuckable person in the entire world. And then maybe someone who is deeply problematic, not fully like who we're glorifying in this movie will dare to take a second look at me. And then, and so it's like these movies for me, it's like, it's so fun, but it also breaks my heart because it's like, you can so easily see how you can be pulled into this movie for all the wrong reasons. Sure. And I get that. And I also like, I think that using the excuse is like, underdeveloping a female character so that a wide range of girls can plug themselves into is like the avatar of the story is just bad writing and not a good excuse for a character in a movie like I think that like you can still depict a human experience and depict an experience that a lot of people can latch onto and identify with and say oh I I wish I was in this scenario with also still fully developing a, a character and like making her feel like a real person I agree but I also think that there's no like the way that this character is written vaguely enough and broadly enough where it gets to the point of like yeah like performance art sure painting dead mom like I feel like that's done very intentionally to bring in as many girls who would identify as not normal Mm -hmm. as possible and that's done as a very intentional thing like it is bad writing but it also does feel very intentional sure I feel like a lot of movies in the 90s did that, though. Yeah. That was their whole, like, the whole arc of the film. It would be a poorly written film, but a character you could somewhat relate to because she was a weirdo or he was a weirdo or an outcast. Right. And so you're like, oh, I directly relate to the outcast. And the popular person's like, oh, I relate to Zach because, God, what a life. All these women want me. Like, there were characters <laughs> but just But no made... characters like that actually exist, though, right? Like, yeah, but I don't, don't you, like, I never really hung out with, like, popular people in school. Maybe I... I mean, clearly there were no popular kids like the, how they're portrayed in that film. But there were still those people who you could kind of tell definitely like were peaking in high school. And then there's just nowhere for them to go after that. That was a go. very yeah. That felt like a very popular trope of the night. Like I recently saw. I don't know if you've seen Love Simon, but I feel like it was a much more accurate. I mean, in, I've been out of high school for years. Um, <laughs> 40, I don't know, forty five years. <laughs> what? I'm still in high school. I'm fourteen years. <laughs> I actually kind of just got there. So, oh, congratulations! <laughs> but like, so I don't know what high school is like now, really. But um, it feels like a much more accurate depiction of what high school is where there's not and like with that movie there's like several female characters who feel like real people but it's still a human experience that like even if you know people are watching this I saw this movie and I am not a gay person but like the experience of hiding something about yourself is so universal that I 
feel like it's no excuse to underdevelop any one character in a movie for the sake of being like, okay, well, it's because we have to be able to, little girls have to plug themselves into this. Like, I just. And that, I think, kind of comes down to, like, the problem of making movies for young people is, like, at a minimum, if you're at a point in your life where you can make a movie about anything, you're, like, 10 years out of high school. You're 10 <laughs> years out of, and so you have, like, a 10-year amount of dissonance of, like, what it is like to actually be a young person and feel those things, and you have 10 years worth of you know bitterness and additional life to heap upon whatever that experience was so it is hard to make an accurate depiction of high school life because by the time you're able to you're so far out right yeah i don't know who she's all that was made for because i feel like i was too young watching there's so much stuff like pubes on pizza like that part is confusing (laughs) there's just like drinking and weird telling people to kill themselves like there's a lot of dark stuff in this movie that i don't understand why I was watching it at a young age. Yeah, the audience is like 15 to 18 year olds. Like, I don't know. It's such a small demographic of people. Um, I want to talk about like the third act, basically. The whole third act of the movie where we are basically robbed of a scene. So it's prom. They're at prom. We see the scene where Paul Walker is like, oh, I'm totally going to nail her. I paid $300 for this hotel room. Hell yeah. And then, out of a flask in the bathroom. Hell and yeah. Like, Lainey's friend, um, Jesse, overhears this. So he runs and tells Anna Paquin's character, who is uh, Zach Seiler's sister, Dressed like a about bride. This. Who seems to be like right. the troubled sister who has to go to a private school. Because <laughs> she's too crazy. And then they run off and tell Zach. So now everyone knows about this plan for Paul Walker to try to have sex with Lainey, except for Lainey. Then we cut to a scene where we're at Lainey's house. We see her dad and her brother talking about pools. Lainey comes home. She's like, oh, man, I did have fun. That was a fun night. You're right. I should have gone to prom, and I'm glad I did. And then she's like, okay, bye. I'm going to go to bed. And then they're like, just Mm -hmm. kidding. Freddie Prince Jr.'s here. And then we see her tell him about her interaction with Paul Walker. Why we do not see this play out on screen is insane. Because does this scene exist somewhere? I have to believe it does and that it was just cut out. Because the reason we need this scene is that it's, one, it's just like bad writing that it's not there because it propels the story forward and then to leave it out is just like, okay, wait, what the fuck happened? But then it would have given her an opportunity to, like, display some agency, which we see her have almost none of throughout the entire movie. And it would have let us see her save herself from the manipulation that she's been experiencing throughout the whole movie where she's like, wait, you're trying to trick me. No, don't do that. I'm my own woman and and I am figuring this out and I don't want you like I don't want this. But we don't see it play out on screen. We only see her kind of mention it later on. When, okay, final <laughs> Kevin polygraph. <laughs> but like the scene where she's like s- sort of slow dance, like allowing Freddie Prince Jr. to not apologize for gaslighting her mm-hmm. in outside of her own in-ground pool. Uh, pools uh, all over this movie. Pools popping up right and left and then kevin pollock says i'm still wearing my hat but you know what i do have time to do pop on this ambient light for you and then Mm -hmm. he like winks of like yeah freddie prince jr french my daughter you're not apologizing (laughs) to and that's the last we see of him in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah and then 
I maybe they were like, oh, we really can't have her attacking Paul Walker in this film, so they cut it out. Because I don't get it. Because I remember the first time I saw this, like I was like. <gasps> She's gonna get raped. I thought this movie was gonna take a right. whole another like angle and just take a left turn, and Paul Walker was gonna go to jail. Like I don't know what I thought was gonna happen, but for the longest time, I like would just be like, "How come she doesn't react?" Like I, if that, I had been in that situation, right? I had to like blowhorn someone yeah, out you'd of be her to a second location, but she like walks in like, "Ugh, Dad, what I a had fun, fun night! One hiccup, <laughs> yeah. but I'm home." Like, and then he's like, "Well, good news." I let Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> in already. So in case you weren't triggered already. Yeah, more dudes for you. I've let someone else in. And then she makes the joke, sexual harassment, a big deal. Yeah. And then says, don't apologize. We're dating. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. It is bananas. Well, there's I wonder if there's like if they did shoot that scene with Paul Walker and it was maybe deemed too because you had like right he would have had oh, to come at her in such a way yeah. where she ear horn blows him in the ear like we do see the repercussion of that oh yeah right he's in now the graduation because he can't he's hear like, now right because he's sitting next to I think he's sitting next <laughs> to little Kim, Kim yeah. yeah and she's like you're called and he's like what yeah. because like, I tried to rape someone last night and it didn't work he's like actually and then he has she to go graduate disabled him like he's incapable like he's like chewing like sucking there's on his something thing. Like, weird happening yeah. I have something a theory very that weird and dark yeah I, <laughs> not so good not good her brother Simon uh, Kieran Culkin's character is wearing what I think is her brother loves love Simon, Simon. <laughs> he's wearing what I think is a hearing aid yeah he's wearing the hearing aid. entire movie which is I never have a theory. I have a theory oh, that she keeps that, that foghorn around, and maybe when they were younger, she, she blew it in his ear, oh, okay. and she permanently. Yeah. Also, it. which she is never... the least she can do. So I do question the relationship, just because I grew up with a little brother who I think would be about the difference between Lady Boggs and her little brother, which would be like four or five years. And it does bother me that it's like Kieran Culkin's little brother character ends up viewing Freddie Prince Jr.'s Zach character as like an ally and someone he can really rely on where her family, like both the the two males in her family unit end up pretty clearly allying themselves with Freddie Prince Jr., yeah. the person who it appears that they know is lying to her as like, here's someone you should end up with. And I found that to be like kind of like jarring of like, man, if I was only growing up with my dad and my brother and they both pushed this same dude yeah. who was tricking me, you know, like realistically. And again, I feel like we have to realistically plug ourselves into a 16-year-old girl trying to relate to Lainey Boggs at this time. In what world would you be like, no, like there, it's like if everyone in your life is like, here he is, we've yeah. let him into the house, we're turning on the ambient lights. <laughs> well, it feels like, of course, you're gonna want to be with that person. They're like, just being like, you're such a wet blanket. Like, even her best friend is right. like, you need this, like, you need this. Yeah. It's like, friend, yeah, everyone wants like the, the little brother, the dad, the best friend, like, everyone, even like uh, Gabrielle Union's character is like, this is good for you, come to the party, like, you her need this. Art like, teacher. Yeah, even her art teacher's like, come on, man, date. Zach, like, you fucking need this. Your art will be better. It's like everyone is telling her she has to get out of her, like, bubble and date this popular guy. And that is that. And that's how you will make it out of and here. And if she doesn't, she's an uptight little yeah. bitch. Yeah. Right? And like, she's obsessed with her dead mother. And that's not okay. She has to move that back on. There's a scene that takes place at the prom 
that really stood out to me in terms of like a scene that says so much with allowing the protagonist to say literally a couple of words maximum where Lanny's at the prom. She has been hotified by Anna Paquin and Freddie Prince Jr. She is completely altered from the first way we know her to be. Her art teacher comes up to her and says that like she has is very talented and that she's finally achieved her full potential. And she says, like, I've been spending four years trying to open you up, Lainey Boggs. Whoever it is that did it, don't let them go. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. exits the scene because she is the queen of exposition. <laughs> and the only thing Lainey says in the scene is like, when she's like, oh, I recommended you to every school you applied to. This is the first we hear that Lainey has applied to yeah. schools at all. <laughs> right. And, she has any interest in anything. Right. And Lainey says, you're kidding. That's all she says in this entire scene. And then the art teacher sees herself out. We hear that, you know, we, in theory, teenage girls hear that, like, whoever opened you up to accepting the fact that your mom is fucking dead <laughs> is, like, the person you should have sex with till you die. And then, and then we see the rest of the scene is wordless. We just see this like lingering shot on Lainey and she looks over at Freddie Prince Jr. Who's also looking over at her. And then she just like looks and we see her again. And in that scene, we realize it's like, he's what made her art good for four years, even though she's known him for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's been lying to her the entire time. Like that scene I found, I watched it like three times or just like that there's so little dialogue in that scene, but it communicates so much to its intended audience of like, no matter how long you've been working towards a goal and no matter what your goals are, no matter what you're good at, there is a way to credit it to a loser who is lying to you (laughs) and people will find a way to make that happen. And I just, oh God, that scene drove me fucking That teacher could have easily just been like, did you get laid? Because you seem so much more chill. Right. <laughs> like that it was the same Don't idea like whoever opened you up, well man. Literally like, opened you yeah, up. Like, whoever like, cracked oh, that high I've been really telling got you, for you into weeks, college. For years I've been telling you to just go get that dick so you would stop making depressing art about your <laughs> dead mom. It's like, okay, teach, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> You've been nowhere. They're literally students at parties going insane <laughs> and you were just show up to be like Clea Duvall was like passing out in a pile of her own vomit yeah. and was like how does it feel yeah. <laughs> like, like what was that there are no good like role models at this school because these students that? are all trash Clea Duvall is also visibly 30 yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. she like how does it feel to make the best artist at school barf <laughs> and just like I don't know Oh, God. Here's a few things I want to say. Uh, at one point, Zach tells Lainey, would it hurt you to smile once in a while? Oh, he, Telling yes. her to smile. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, on-the-nose moments, yeah. And she's like, did you know smiling can lead to cancer? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, bitch. <laughs> a, faculty, a female faculty member surprise kisses Zach after he wins prom king. That's not okay. Yeah, that's oh, the weirdest really? well, I didn't on the stage. That. Not on the mouth, but like she grabs him oh and pulls him God. in and like kisses him on the cheek. Yeah. Are we to believe that Sarah Michelle Gellar's cameo is her playing Buffy and that that's some sort of like clever crossover thing? Because she looks like Buffy, the character in the movie. 
I just like, in feel like it that had she to has be. She has no lines though. She has yeah, no she's lines like, exactly. Take my plane. Right. Um, I just have to believe it's some like weird like oh because they're like all in Southern California and like maybe this town is like adjacent to Sunnydale or whatever. The I think place you're is actually called. being a big dork by asking this <laughs> question because I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I don't know what the fuck it's about. Um, Buffy is great. You gotta watch. Okay, um, stop triggering me because there's... every loser I've ever met has said that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm really turning into a real character in this movie. Uh, yeah, geez. Way to, way to bash Taylor. your female yeah, friends. That's why you're defending Taylor. Um, guys, actually. Is that who you actually be a saw good yourself as? And then grab your own tits and be like, hi. There's also a scene where queen. after um, Lainey is nominated for prom queen, Jesse is sort of like directing people where to hang up their posters that are like, hey, vote for Lainey for prom queen. And then there's this one moment where he's just like, you, gay students, put yours over there. And the banner says something like, come out and vote for Laney. And it's just like, whoa, no. I did kind of giggle at that. Um, It's That's a bad 99 joke. That's a bad, that that joke does not age well. I kind of thought maybe the best friend might be gay. I was like, maybe there's like an angle where he's also into Freddie Prince. I don't know. I, that was like one of the things when I when I was originally watching it. Like, oh, okay. maybe there's something we don't know. But then he gets with Anna Paquin. But then he gets with Anna Paquin. And do she... they actually get together? They hang out, but we don't see them. Like, oh, that's true. They could just be we because see... she seems into guys. I think her exact line was, "Oh, her brother's there, and he just got kicked out of like mm-hmm. military school." So that's her vibe. Well, what I hope for her is that she grows out of being her own brother's stooge. Because she seems way smarter and more decisive than him. And so in the first scene we see her, like, and this is, again, how movies constantly discard, like, an initially strong female character's potential. Where we see her initially, the first time we see Anna's character, she's nagging him aggressively. Mm-hmm. And is like... She calls him a bitch magnet. She calls him a bitch magnet. And she's just like, you gotta go for a different kind of girls, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. the next time we see her, somehow something has happened that now she's full-on willing to give... Lainey Boggs a makeover and it's like this is not the character we saw in the first scene this is someone who's suddenly very dependent on whatever her brother asks and, yeah. and so she's it like was like a little dissonant personal assistant yeah, yeah yeah and then at the end it's like oh maybe she's gonna date the friend which I and again I'm rooting for them but yeah that character felt very weird and underdeveloped of like she was introduced to someone who I thought I was like oh this is someone who could talk sense into like the Zach character but then she sort of just ends up folding mm-hmm. to whatever his whims <laughs> One are. One of the first things she says is so who's the lucky rebound skank? Mm-hmm. Like she right. not a feminist icon. No. And I want to No, she's like a big brother icon. <laughs> yeah. So it's mostly Paul Walker saying horrible things about women, but the way several different characters talk about women in this movie is bonkers because you have lines like Paul Walker saying, Whoa, 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 look who's back from spring break, looking all fine and shit. And then uh Dulé Hill in his defense says in response to that, on behalf of all black people, shut up. Usher is talking about women. He calls someone magically delicious. Um, Paul <laughs> Which Walker. Which is also, okay, that's also how you would describe Lucky Charm C. <laughs> but he's talking specifically about how a woman looks. Paul Walker. Don't defend He is the actual me. big brother because he like sees everything. He literally is a big brother. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Walker later says. How does he see all this? We don't know what his social circle is at all. <laughs> Right. Does we he... don't know if he has friends or if he's no. even in high school. <laughs> we don't know. 
Zach says, there are 2,000 girls in this school and I can bump monkeys with any one of them. The lingo in this movie. I think Paul Walker at one point even says, check out the bobos on Super Freak. He says that. He says, he's like, talks about how he, he like nailed a flight attendant. like A 30-year-old flight attendant. Right. Guys, honestly, a moment for the boba. (laughs) He's talking about Taylor and he says, every girl wants to be her and every guy wants to nail her. But then Dooley Hill comes around and he's just like, oh, she's basically you with tits. So not a feminist icon. Bobos. She says you oh, with bobos. You with the bobos. So it's just like the fact that you see so many characters, mostly male, some female when it comes to Anna Paquin throwing the word skank around, talk about women so horribly. And it's almost always in the context of how they look or just like how desirable or undesirable they are to men. And it's really gross. And and granted, like Paul Walker ends up being a villain and we're not supposed to identify with him. But the fact that like... <sighs> But his Zach, punishment's so light. It's so light. Minor the, hearing loss. And the fact that like Zach <laughs> stays friends with him for so long and agrees to the bet that he sort of initiates and all that stuff is yeah. just like any young like teenage boy who is seeing this movie is probably like, oh, those guys are so cool, and and that sees how they're talking to women. That point, bet yeah. or talking about women was sexual harassment to everybody in the room. You cannot walk mm. around naked. That is offensive. And then he oh, threw yes. the volleyball. So you know yes. the junk was straight out. So it's like, hello, we're all here. We don't all don't want to see you naked. Yeah, you can't just like flash yeah. a whole school the full of last people. Last frame of the movie is like, God, and if you're lucky, you'll yeah. be the girl who naked guy throws his dick volleyball to. And it was you'll a soccer ball. To... I will let oh, you know. Oh, that's right. And also, okay. he's a soccer player. <laughs> sorry. I'm but so everyone's sorry. like, what? Instead of like, yo, like put some the clothes on. <laughs> it's like no one wants to see your flaccid dick at graduation. Like, well, like what are these you parents doing? like? We For don't your get consideration, it. his hard dick. <laughs> sure, we don't know how he flaccid was it is. Super hard, hard waiting don't, to get his name called. Don't flaccid um. shape Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, the the moral compass of this movie is crazy, and and we are not. And I think you made a great point just now. We are not given really an alternative to any men and young men, especially who are seeing this movie. We're not given any alternative to like, oh, yeah. And you can also not be the coolest guy in school and also be fine. Like where we sort of see Jesse, but he is seen very much in support to the main female character. And like, I mean, really, the only male ideal we're given is Freddie Prince Jr., which, again, I'm so proud of him and he's done so well in his life. But Zach, as a character, 100% is a bad person. Goes on to be a full-on lax bro who does very problematic things for a very long time. I wonder if the ending scene is him getting arrested for public nudity. They're just like, oh, you have to come with us. Just like like, someone calling the police like, this is not appropriate. like, this high schooler is 30. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this happening? Jamie, you said you wanted to come to the defense of Taylor. I would like to come to the defense of Taylor to an extent. I just think that at the top of this movie is mainly where I come to Taylor's defense because (laughs) she does sort of very quickly lapse into a violent female on female. I have to be prom queen character. But at the very beginning where everyone's just like, oh, my God, she's such a bitch. She made Zach sad. Mm -hmm. And then we find out minutes later that Zach is willing to exploit 
any woman mm-hmm. on campus to prove that he's a man. So it's, I I sort of felt badly. I can't relate with her in that I wasn't a girl like that in high school that had access to unlimited men. <laughs> if you can men. possibly believe if I didn't have access to unlimited 30-year-old Freddie <laughs> Prince Juniors at this time. But like the fact that she is made out to be a villain at the jump to, again, in the way that female characters are made to relate to male protagonists. She exists to make us feel badly for Freddie Prince Jr. so that we can get over the moral jump of him being willing to exploit any girl. Right. So it's like we are using a female character to justify a male character exploiting a second female character. So Taylor's the first step in this insidious sequence, and I feel for her because, in retrospect, if you look at Zach on paper, he's not a good guy. Why would you want to be with this guy? Not that I'm saying that Matthew Lillard's (laughs) real-world character (laughs) is the better option, but I'm just saying like the movie very quickly demonizes Taylor's character for not wanting to be with Zach when we find out a minute later that Zach is not a good person and willing to do anything to get a girl in order to prove his masculinity. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like at the beginning of the movie, especially I felt badly for Taylor because I felt like she was, you know, that character and characters like that who don't exist in real life at all. <laughs> was used as a pawn to characterize the male character. And that bugs me, and that always bugs me. And her character worsens throughout the movie. Oh, God. In that, like, all she wants to do is kill other women to be prom queen. (laughs) But also, you know, a goal-oriented woman, so... She has has more of a defined goal and desire than Lainey does. Yeah. Again, the story just happens to her. She does... She has no agency. She makes no choices. And the choices she does make make no sense for her character, where she'll be like, no, Paul Walker, I don't want to go to the prom with you, except... Here I am going to the prom with you. Like, it doesn't yeah. anything she does. Because she my, never accepted. Because, well, to be fair, Kevin Pollack did say, there's a hot guy upstairs. Oh, yeah. And she's yeah. just like, well, I might as well Whoever that go is. to send... prom. <laughs> He'll send his daughter out with anyone. Like, he God. didn't even make the connection. One Later guy that night. And another guy's here. And he's just like, hey, look, these dudes. Later that you. night. He's like, well, the, I recognize him. <laughs> yeah. He's been over before. Karen let seems him to like him. Uh, I think in an ultimate world that Taylor and Paul Walker's character should end up together because they're both little conniving bitches and they can just go at it. Uh, let's talk about whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test. It does. Technically. It does. It does, it does a couple times. A few times. different times. A couple times it yeah. does. Women actually interact a lot in this movie. Oftentimes yes. it's only for a very, very short exchange. Sometimes yeah. it's with women whose names we don't know. Well, Oftentimes they are talking about men. But there are a few scenes that do pass. One of them is the one where the Misty... Clay Duvall's character One suggests... of my favorite passes of all time. <laughs> Although Lainey does not respond in that scene, but because there's another woman there, Savannah, who's contributing to the conversation, I think it that... Passes. It passes. There's no way around it. There's a scene where... Well, I don't know if this passes or not, because, again, we never learn Katie's name in the movie. We only know this from looking it up on IMDb. Mm. But Gabrielle Union, her character, and Taylor are talking about her tattoo and then her acceptance speech and how 
in a scene that's like very clearly 80 yard. Uh, Taylor is like, <laughs> what? I'm a I'm a shoe in for prom queen. I could win this thing in fluorescent light and blah, blah, blah. Oh, My yeah. mom was a prom queen. Da, da, da. A good line. So that scene passes the test because there's another character there named Chandler, I want to say. That's the girl with the short hair, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she's also there talking. Chandler and Lainey had one when they're on the beach and she's basically telling Lainey that she's not fit and can't play oh, volleyball. Yeah. There's uh, so many <laughs> body shaming yeah. scenes that pass the back yeah. in this movie. Yeah, that's, that scene goes like this. I've seen you in gym class. You run like a girl. Lainey says, I am a girl. Chandler says, you know what I mean. Lainey says, obviously I don't. Yeah. Passes the test, but <laughs> is uh, not a good pass. Um, the scene where, what the hell is Anna Paquin's character's name? Uh, Mac. Ma- uh, Mackenzie, right. right? Yeah, when they, uh, when, they, when they talk about makeup, it passes. Yeah, that passes. Yeah, so there's a few scenes here and there that technically pass the test. Most of them are... Also, Taylor bullying Lainey passes oh, uh-huh. yeah. more than one yeah. time. Yeah. More yeah. than one time. Right. Yeah. And then Lainey... Lots of problematic passes on this movie. <laughs> the best is oh. her just telling her to kill herself. Jesus. Just like, this is the opening of the film. Really sets a precedent. And do we know the art teacher? I feel like the art teacher is given a name at some point. I don't think so. Not? I don't think so. Okay, so those scenes don't... Uh, also, the movie, even though it does pass the Bechdel test, does not pass the DuVernay test, suggesting that a movie should have characters who are people of color and that exist to not just support the white characters. Um, because in this movie, pass, yeah. right, there are uh, like Taylor has friends who are people of color. Zach has friends who are people of color, but they only exist in the story to support right. their white friends. Yeah. Also does not pass the Loftus test. There is a bald woman in the I movie know. at the performance art show. Show, I'm aware. But she's not in charge. Oh, that's so. right. Like, stupid movie. I loved it. <laughs> I, I did not. Okay. Uh, rating the movie on our nipple scale, zero to, zero to five nipples based on its portrayal of women. I'm going to give it like a zero to one half nipple. Like Ooh, it's just like scathing. very low for me because... The your one female uh, main character in Lainey Boggs has no agency. She has no specific desire of her own. She exists to be manipulated throughout the entire story. (laughs) Also, there's a I wanted to say really quickly that um, of the movies that like have women needing to be made over and fixed so that they can be more desirable to men. That never happens in the reverse of that, where there's hardly ever right. movies where, like, men need to be made to be more desirable to women. So it's just, like, a really – it's it's almost as if men aren't held to that standard of, like, It's being... so frustrating because I feel like 10 – like, you know, however many years ago, I'd be like, we should make a movie like that. But it's like, no, no one should make a movie yeah, like that. No. We should just stop making movies like this. <laughs> And the way that women are talked about, the way that so many of the female characters are really nasty to each other, just a whole slew of problems with this movie. I have to give it a zero nipple rating. The end. I would give it one nipple just for Clea Duvall being such a strong, like, independent (laughs) woman who just talks whatever she wants. That's the only, yeah. Everyone else is just trying to get by. I'm going to give it a nipple as well. (laughs) And as much as I am trying to get myself out of the habit of giving movies nipples on our iconic writing system (laughs) for having inklings of useful, valid female characters who are not constantly exploited by the men around them, I do think that there are a lot of seeds of good female characters in that if you're a 16-year-old girl watching this movie, you at least 
takeaway that it is okay to like art. At least Lainey is not stripped of her ability to appreciate art. There are some few paltry things that don't suggest you need to become a tailor in order to be accepted by the norm. But the fact that you are still conditioned to be accepted by the norm is very insidious and bad. And also teenage girls should be conditioned to say, like, if someone wrongs you, you should expect an apology from them. Mm -hmm. which, and probably not end up with them romantically. And probably not just... Be like, let Kevin Pollock turn on some mood lighting and just <laughs> accept your life for the rest of what it is. <laughs> but there are the seeds of valid characters. I do like that there are movies out there that teenage girls can plug themselves into. I just don't like the direction that most of those movies take. I'm going to mm -hmm. give it one nipple and I'm going to kick it right back to Lainey Boggs. Mm, great. Awesome. Yeah. Anna, thank you so much for being thank here today. You. Thank this you for watching this joy. movie with oh, me. Of Where course. can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at, at Anna Hosnie, A-N-N-A-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H. I, -E uh, I co-host a podcast called Ethnically Ambiguous on the House Stuff Works Network. <laughs> I'm also a producer there, and I produce a show called The Daily Zeitgeist, which is daily. It's news and pop culture. Heard Both of Jamie it, Mitch. and Caitlin have been on it. True. Great, great episodes. Uh, yeah, listen to Ethnically Ambiguous if you want to hear stuff about the Middle East and being a brown, a modern brown woman in America. Ooh, listen that's my to it. life. That's the best. It's fun. So, Yay. yeah, find me somewhere. Awesome. Okay. You can uh, follow us on social media at Bechtelcast, uh, Patreon slash Matreon. Subscribe to it to bonus episodes every month. Seriously, like patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. Rate and review us. Well, yeah, I'm unemployed now, so please give us your money. Oh, um, God. Buy our merch. I we need I need your money. And otherwise, The merch is also very nice. It's so cute. It's buttons and stickers, and it's so great. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We love you all, and bye. Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.